This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Listen, all you New Yorkers. You Taxi. Okay, we're looking around. This is the 77 WABC minicast. With us today, this Sunday morning, is Bill Barr. He was the Attorney General of the United States under uh, President H.W. Bush, and he was the Attorney General of the United States uh, almost 30 years later under uh, President Trump. Uh, Bill Barr, Mr. Attorney General, uh, tell us, uh, welcome to this uh, to the uh, uh, our show, the Cats Roundtables, this Sunday morning, and um, uh, and uh, I hope everything is healthy and, and, and we're in a new year. Yeah, yeah. Good to be with you, John. Yes. I, I remember we first met, uh, I think we had breakfast with Cardinal Dolan, and he's right. a wonderful man, and uh, uh, and I enjoyed your uh, discussion at that time, and uh, I look forward to our discussion this morning. So do I. So do I. Now, you, you. you served under H.W. Bush uh, almost 30 years ago, and uh, now uh, you served under uh, uh, President Trump, uh, and uh, there is a significant difference in my eyes. Maybe I'm getting older, or maybe I'm too uh, uh, in how the Department of Justice uh, was handled 30 years ago, and what's going on right now, where there's a uh, crisis of confidence. I would say, uh, uh, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I think things have gotten a lot worse in the past 30 years. You know, people sometimes have rose-colored glasses and think everything was hunky-dory and bipartisan in those days, and it wasn't. You know, they were going after H.W. Bush, although the left today talks about him as a great man. And during that time, you know, they were trying to bring him down with uh, Iraq Gate and, uh, you know, the uh, the Contra uh, Iran-Contra uh, pseudo-scandal and all that stuff. So there's always been uh, efforts to use the justice system for political purposes, but it's gotten a lot worse, and a double standard has definitely uh, emerged that's quite obvious. And I think it's related to the sharp movement of the Democratic Party to the left, the far left, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, has has just taken the party further and further to the left. And their kind of philosophy, this kind of radical progressivism, basically is an anything-goes philosophy, that because they are trying to move the human race to, you know, the, this heaven on earth uh, and be with the march of history, that anything they do is morally justified because they're right. And this has led to, uh, you know, the idea that the, the uh, ends justify the means. And they've become, I think, dirtier and dirtier when it comes to using the criminal justice system, especially as a political weapon. And the Republicans have generally tended, as we always do, play by the rules and, you know, the Marcus Kingsbury's rules. 
And uh, you know, Trump has pointed out that uh, there's this uh, difference where the Republicans play by the rules and the left does not. And uh, that's one of the problems we face today. Now, his you know, his prescription is, you know, we got to play as dirty as them. Fight fire with fire, tit for tat. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, if we go down that route, there's no coming back. I think our rule of law just completely collapses. Um, I understood. I mean, we, we've seen so many things happen, whether the way they... Uh, they treated uh, uh, the Ro- Roger Stone. I mean, they, 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 he, the guy was never arrested in his life, and all of a sudden, uh, there's 30 FBI agents uh, and, uh, uh, and and helicopters and CNN being there to arrest him, and they put him in the solitary confinement uh, versus uh, 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 other situations where uh, how guilty is. Um, uh, Bush's son, uh, not Bush's son, I apologize. I mean, uh, uh, Biden's son, Hunter. Yeah, well, I mean, that investigation was initiated when I was there, so I'm not, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything about his ultimate uh, guilt or anything like that. But, you know, the difference, the way the way uh, they treated uh, allegations about Trump versus allegations about Biden, you know, it's night and day. I mean, a good example to me is all this talk about insurrection. Well, the insurrection I saw that's to me clear was in the summer of 2020 with 110 days of attacks on a federal court for the purpose of burning it down. You know, attacks on marshals with lasers that temporarily blinded a number of them and so forth. Just night after night of extremely violent attacks on a federal courthouse. Now, no one says anything about that. And you know, when I was testifying before the House Judiciary Committee, I asked the Democrats, Does any of you want to speak out against that? And none of them did. And yet, uh, you know, the march on the Capitol is treated as a, you know, as a great insurrection. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the people who rioted, who attacked the police, uh, you know, terrible violence against the police and broke their way into the Capitol. Some of those people, you know, those people, the people who engaged in violence like that should go to prison. Um, but, you know, the administration has made this almost the most important law enforcement matter in the country. They've dedicated tremendous resources and they've gone after people who I don't think pose the kind of threat that justifies that kind, you know, people who just sort of wandered into the to the Capitol because the doors were open and the police were sort of saying, "Hey, come on in." And so, um, you know, I feel that if they put the same emphasis on law enforcement on on real crime out there or, or other kinds of crime out there that they've put onto the Capitol, this would be the safest country in the world. Uh, I, I but, agree one hundred percent. It it seems like. Uh, I don't believe the American people have the uh, truth yet of what really happened on on January 6th. And, and some of these people um, are in jail for like three years where other in other cities and other states, murderers are walking around free. That's right. It's very selective what they're doing uh, in law enforcement. They just sort of are letting, even at the Fed, you know, the federal department is not, aggressively pursuing 
violent crime the way it was under Trump's administration or under the first President Bush or the second President Bush. So, you know, they, they're softer on that kind of crime, except, you know, the, the, uh, the, the people who were involved in the riot up on Capitol Hill. But as, again, you know, I, when I see those uh, images of attacking the cops and throwing things at the cops and real horrendous violence being used. Those are the people that need to go to jail. Is there an attack, systematic attack on America uh, when, whether it's our education system and what's going on uh, in our high level uh, universities, uh, whether uh, the border crisis that has been created uh, and allowing just no borders uh, the crisis of uh, of drugs going through those same borders with with our hands tied or some of our agents, their hands tied from enforcing it. I mean, we've had 100,000 Americans die in the last 12 months because of, of drugs uh, going through the Mexican borders. Right. Yeah, so I, you know, in, in my book, One Damn Thing After Another, I go over what I think has been the fundamental change. I think we have seen a fundamental change in our politics in the past several decades. I think they're basically, you know, in the West, there have been two models, the, Amer- the Anglo-American system that gave rise to our Constitution and to the unbelievable freedoms and prosperity and uh, wherever it's been tried around the world. And then you have another model, which has been more represented by the French Revolution, which is this idea that that uh, in, in order to reach a brave new world, so something in the future, some socialist and perfect, perfectly equitable society, we have to tear down everything now, just tear it down because it's all corrupt and it's interfering with this uh, this movement of history toward this earthly paradise. Now, all totalitarian movements on the right or the left have had this thinking. And, and you know, it's, it undergirds communism and socialism and so forth. And this is this, what they call progressivism. And this progressivism has taken on this messianic, you know, uh, uh, state of mind where... Uh, they have to tear everything down to build their brave new world. And that's what's different. In the past, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party were agreed on on the basic system we have, and there were differences within it, and some moved right, some moved left, and so forth. But now they're outside the system. They want to tear the system down, and it's a, and it's a comprehensive attack on every institution, the politicization of every institution, the harnessing of every institution to be part of this revolutionary change. And they're destroying the integrity of all these things. The, you know, they're just letting people, uh, you know, into the United States now, not just from South America, but, you know, half the people that come across, it seems, uh, the border are from elsewhere in the world. We, we don't know where they're coming from. It's just completely open borders. Uh, and, uh, you know, virtually every education system are turning out sort of mindless sheep who are easily manipulable uh, and can be made to, you know, march for just about any cause. Um, it's it and, and, and don't have any internal compass. I mean, what happened, the anti-Semitism that uh, emerged on campus and the, and the brainless 
uh, you know, supporting a terrorist group like Hamas is is you know mind-boggling that this could happen. So all our institutions are being corrupted uh, by this, and this is of course given rise to uh, someone like Donald Trump, who uh, you know is really a um, product of the excesses of the far left and. He's going to, you know, he's succeeding now and, and he has a decent prospect of winning re-election again because of Biden and the far left of the Democratic Party. In, in, in the constitutional crisis that I, we talked about before, where uh, uh, if the Supreme Court makes a decision and the executive branch of the uh, our government doesn't listen to it, for instance, uh, on the uh, uh, student loans, uh, because he, I think my opinion is uh, President Biden uh, said, well, we're going to give you back $10,000 each on student loans, even though uh, Nancy Pelosi said it's not legal, uh, even though everybody else said it was not legal. Um, tens of thousands of uh, students say, yes, I'm going to vote for him because he's going to give me $10,000. Who enforces, if the Department of Justice controls the FBI, who enforces uh, the laws of the land, uh, the the laws of the Supreme Court, or uh, the uh, uh, contempt of Congress where uh, nobody is listening to uh, Congress when they're issuing subpoenas? Is that a crisis in our in our whole system? I think it's an emerging crisis because our our system does depend on each branch of government uh, respecting you know, the powers and authority of the other within their realm, and um, it's very rare that that has been challenged. Now, it's not a perfect record. As, uh, President Andrew Jackson uh, defied the Supreme Court. Um, they issued an order and he said, well, they made the order, they can enforce it. Uh, so it, it's happened in the past, but the, the extent to which the branches are now just ignoring the law um, and uh, your example of the student loan thing is a perfect example, just ignoring it. Uh, but, but the border is, a, is another example. They're just not enforcing the law. And we see this also, by the way, as you know, in our cities where whole areas of crime are are essentially washed off the books because, you know, they decide that we're just not going to, you know, enforce these laws. Um, And it's leading to the the collapse of the rule of law. And, uh, you know, people on the left are worried that if Trump is elected president, you know, he won't obey the Supreme Court and so forth, and then you, you could have a crisis. Um, and I do think, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a possible scenario. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm worried about the, you know, growing, uh, uh, ignoring of the law. And if, if it, it's a serious um, crisis, sir. It's a serious yeah. crisis. Yeah, and, and everything it, is it, politics and power. And the the words I will not use on the president of the United States is, uh, you know, people are walking around saying it confidentially to each other. Has President Biden crossed the line? And I'm 
We're going to wait for that answer for our next interview because I've enjoyed uh, our discussion this morning. I think uh, we put uh, very important issues uh, in front of the uh, American people, and uh, I'd like to continue this discussion again in uh, in the following uh, few weeks. Absolutely, John. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, former Attorney General Bill Barr. Thank you for giving us the comparisons between 30 years ago and today. And may God save America. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you.